In the 20th century, the U.S. government intentionally and forcibly eradicated thousands of species of birds and replaced biological birds with surveillance drones designed to look like birds. It all began in 1953 when Alan Dulles was appointed as the first civilian director of the Central Intelligence Agency and made it his mission to ramp up the CIA's surveillance program initially employed to track any communist-like behavior happening in the United States. Dulles and his team wanted to create the greatest surveillance system ever imagined with the capability of tracking someone on foot, in a vehicle, or even in their personal home. It just so happened that Dulles and his team hated birds with a passion and were heard on many occasions calling them flying slugs and the scum of the skies. Seeking to kill two birds with one stone, pun totally intended, Dulles instituted a plan to remove all birds from the United States and replace them with billions of sophisticated robot lookalikes capable of mimicking real birds in every way. Between the years of 1959 and 2001, the U.S. government genocided over 12 billion birds, replacing them with robotic replicas that watch our every move on a daily basis. If you're not familiar with this absolute tragedy, consider yourself lucky. You've managed to avoid a conspiracy theory. On this episode of Think Significantly, we're going to explore conspiracy theories, how they come to be, how we come to fall for them, and how to escape their snare. Hello, everyone. My name is Melissa, and I am joined by one of my favorite aviators, Pete. Hello to you and all the listeners. That's incredibly nice of, of you to say. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I'm really quite taken back by the by the sentiment of that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we've got a lot of really interesting stuff to cover today. So what do you say we jump right in with some definitions? Absolutely. It is my favorite way to start off an episode. So <laughs> I'm, I'm all about the definition. So I'm prepared. <laughs> Here we go. So uh, the definition that I came up with uh, from, from reading lots of different sources is that a conspiracy theory can be defined as a proposed plot to be carried out in secret, usually by a powerful group of people who have some kind of like sinister goal that they stand to benefit from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a good, that's succinct. I like that. I've got this one that I pulled from. Um, a study by social psychologist Karen Douglas and her colleagues. Okay. Okay. She says a conspiracy theory has to have five critical aspects. Okay. The first is that the theory makes assumptions about how interconnected people and events are, almost always hypothesizing patterns among them. Mm-hmm. Second, there must be intent among the group that is suspected of the conspiracy. It can't be something bad that happens accidentally. There has to be an intention to achieve the result. Okay. Third, there has to be a group of actors at the heart of it. One one person can't possibly have the impact needed to fulfill a conspiracy theory. Oh, I feel like that's going to be important. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. The, okay. the, the fourth pillar is that there must be a threat. Mm-hmm. There must be a, a harmful or deceptive intent to the actions of the conspirators. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there must be a level of secrecy required that makes them difficult to invalidate. Mm. Right. It's hard to prove something that doesn't really exist. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly it's hard to is. disprove. Yes. That's right. Right, right. That's right. 
Yeah. I especially like the part that you mentioned about the interconnectedness. Yeah. Well, and for me, that's really the, the crux of what these boil down to, right? You're taking two or more disparate events and drawing lines between them to help explain the randomness of the world. Yes. With our colored string and our tinfoil hats. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Right. Just connecting all the dots. Yes. Push pins in the board, baby. hundred percent. So, uh, in preparation for this episode, I, of course, like you, I'm sure, read through a lot of material. And what's interesting to me is there are <laughs> disparate views on whether or not we are in an era of increased conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. There are definitely mixed views on this because if you look like longitudinally, like across mm-hmm. multiple generations, there definitely have been other blips in time when there seem to be an uptick, like in conspiracy theory. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There, there have definitely been other times of increased uh, conspiracy theory belief. Yeah. Um, and I think we're at, I think they're, they're right to point out that we're at a high point now. Mm-hmm. And I think that they all have some commonality, all these points, all these high points uh, over time. And that's the, the stressfulness of world events. Okay. Uh, one poll I saw found that half of Americans felt increased stress during the pandemic. And some of that stress is going to manifest itself as an increase in the generation and the belief in conspiracy theories. I'm kind of shocked at this poll that says only half of Americans felt stress. What were the rest of them? <laughs> was it just Peloton and sourdough bread? Is that how everyone else was living? Everyone else was like, it's cool. Yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone was learning a language. And, yes, yeah. right, apparently. Yeah, you know, okay. Cool stuff. Well, I, I'm going to say I think it's it's safe to say we're in a time of high stress or or coming there out of it or what have you. But um I'm going to say that I think another reason why people think that there are more conspiracies now is because we have so much information at our disposal. Mm -hmm. Like the Mm -hmm. World Health Organization calls the current environment, you know, they're the folks who are used to dealing with medical issues, like actual things going on. And they are calling the current environment an infodemic, meaning that there is just so much misinformation or disinformation available and it actually has some devastating effects. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. They're also, the World Health Organization is also the target of a few conspiracy theories. So they've got that going for them. Make, it's all coming together. It's, like, it's all it's all just one big tangled yarn ball. <laughs> that's right. You know, I think they, I think that the, what they're pointing out about the information environment is important, but also we now have ways to get connected to like-minded others like we never have before. Mm-hmm. I think that, that even if we can't say for sure that social media has increased conspiracy theories, it certainly changed the way in which people access the information, the way in which they share the information, and maybe most influentially, the way they can connect with other people around the world who reinforce their belief in the information. Mm-hmm. And that makes me, that leads me up to, uh, you know, it really does start off so innocuously. I want to believe that people don't just put two feet on the ground in the morning. They're like, I'm going to make up some shit. You know, I think that uh, what happens is that it's just so easy to sort of be sort of like get into that stream where you're consumed by false information. Mm -hmm. I go to my preferred sources. I disregard other sources that contradict my views. I get these beliefs reinforced by my distrust of institutions, by my like-minded friends, my attitude becomes stronger, mm. you know? So I guess where I'm going with this is that even if we don't have evidence that conspiracy theorizing has increased, I, I'm on board with thinking that people's attitudes have become stronger as a result of interacting and sharing and consuming this information on social media. 
for sure. Yeah. And and we're all more likely to be persuaded by information we see repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we touched on this when we talked about echo chambers in our last episode. Part of what is concerning about the echo chamber is how it has the potential to convince people of things that aren't necessarily true by inundating them with the same information over and over until they think it must be true. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like getting flooded with ads. And then all of a sudden you're like, (laughs) oh, I want to buy a Kirby vacuum cleaner. And you're like, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, speaking of like, like how, how this happens, I I like Mm -hmm. to get to the science of it, of course. So, um, and I know we had already talked about this when we were, you know, leading up to this, uh, recording. So, uh, research has shown that people are drawn to conspiracy theories in an attempt to, fi- to satisfy three important psychological motives. And the first of these um, is epistemic motives, the uh-huh. need for knowledge, for certainty, which really just boils down to a desire to have information, which is why I said before it starts off so innocuously, right? I just want to yeah. know what's happening. Right. And, and we can't fault those people. I mean, those are our type of people. Right. Yeah. C- conspiracy theories. They're, they're filling in any gaps in, in information uh, to help them make sense of a world that often doesn't. Right. And when something major happens, when a big event happens, people naturally want to know why. Yeah. And they, they want an explanation and they want to know the truth, but they also want to feel certain of that truth. Which totally tracks. I mean, there's psychological evidence that suggests that people are drawn to conspiracy theories, you know, as we've said, when they feel uncertain, either in by the way, specific situations or like just in general, like at large. So, Mm -hmm. so there are studies from the university of Kent that show that people who have relationship insecurity or catastrophize their problems have a higher likelihood of believing conspiracy theories themselves. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. Conspiracy theories, they soothe our anxiety around the unpredictable nature of the world. Mm -hmm. If we know what's causing things, we can predict them. Which, which is really just an evolutionary thing, don't you think? I mean, mm-hmm. this this pattern perception is an adaptation that's helped us stay alive for a few millennia. Right. Great. It's just that when we identify patterns that don't exist, that we have some problems. That's, that's very true. Uh, th- there's another epistemic reason why people believe in conspiracy theories, still in the same vein of the need for knowledge and certainty. Mm-hmm. And that's that people with lower levels of education tend to be drawn to conspiracy theories. And, and I'm not trying to, to say that it's because people are not intelligent. It's simply that they haven't been allowed to have or haven't been given access to the tools that allow them to differentiate between good sources and bad sources or credible sources and non-credible sources. So they're looking for that knowledge and certainty, but not necessarily looking in the right places. And by the way, since we did, we did that whole episode on like, is school really teaching us what we need to know? We're definitely not saying that Right. People no. would have left, you don't need education in order to be like a well-rounded thinker. And, and also not everyone has heard our podcast, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, not yet. Yeah. not yet. So, you know, there's room for growth there. They can, they can sharpen their critical thinking swords, you know? <laughs> yeah. They haven't, not everyone's heard of us yet, but, but we're getting there. We're, we're, we're getting, getting there. there. Slow, and, slow and steady wins the race. So the second set of motives are what we would call existential motives. Mm-hmm. And these refer to people's need to feel safe and secure in the world that they live in and to feel that they have some agency or autonomy over the things that are happening to them. Mm-hmm. 
people don't like to feel powerless. They don't like to feel out of control. And reaching out to conspiracy theories gives people a reason that they don't have the control that they'd like. Well, this goes back to that University of Kent thing. If you just feel like you have relationship insecurity, right? You're, you're right. Gonna, yeah, you're going to be prone to this. I mean, research has shown that people who feel powerless and disillusioned do tend to gravitate more towards conspiracy theories. They right. just need some level of grounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably it's probably a very a very comfortable way of thinking for them. Mm-hmm. And that leads me into the final set of motives, which are what we would call social motives. Mm -hmm. Those refer to people's desire to feel good about themselves as individuals, but also to feel good about themselves in terms of the groups that they belong to. Right. And and one way of doing that is to believe that there is exclusive information that you or your group know that other people don't necessarily have. Right. And this is, this is very common. Um, a very, this is a very common rhetorical tool that people use when they talk about conspiracy theories that like everybody else is some kind of sheep, but that they know the <laughs> truth. They, they hold the Oracle, right. Right. And uh, having that kind of belief, I guess, feeling that you're in possession of information that other people don't have definitely can give you a feeling of superiority over others. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. People, people who believe in conspiracy theories think they have a, a higher level of specialized knowledge than the the sheep, like you referred to, mm-hmm. uh, who, who can't see the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that they're using derogatory names for people who think differently shows their perceived superiority, right? That's, that's the ego part taken hold, uh, which also explains why we see otherwise knowledgeable people taking up conspiracy thought. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of the arena where we might see doctors speaking out against vaccines. Mm-hmm. They know better. But taking that fringe position gives them a level of celebrity in that circle. So they get more attention from the media and they finally feel a little like the star they always thought they should be. Mm -hmm. They know the science, but satisfying their ego becomes the driving force for them. It's so funny that you bring this up because um, in my research, I definitely found a connection between narcissism and conspiracy Mm -hmm. theories. Like that whole idea of like you're in possession of information that other people don't have. You know, you're very special. You're, you're mm-hmm. it makes you stand apart for sure. I think that connection makes a ton of sense. And interestingly enough, I've found references to this narcissism at the group level as well. Oh yeah, definitely collective narcissism, mm-hmm. right? Right. The, the, yeah, it's it's the it's it's the same narcissism that everyone is very familiar with. You know when you have Christmas gatherings with your family. Yes. <laughs> but it's applied to a group instead of an individual. Yes. Right. Right. So in these instances, it would be thinking that a group that you're a member of has an inflated sense of importance. Mm-hmm. Once they believe that they have this heightened significance, then when things don't go right, they look for what must be a coordinated effort from an opposing group that is the root of their misfortune. Right. Or that they are the only people defending against these these evil forces, right? Yes, yes. Only, especially here in America, I feel like they're the yeah. only ones who can protect us. Right. Which I believe is like, you know, how the QAnon people see themselves. And, mm-hmm. and when you're talking about this at the group level, when you have that overinflated sense of the importance of the groups that people belong to, coupled with the feeling that those groups are a bit like underappreciated for what they bring to the table. Right. I mean, you really do have an environment just ripe for conspiracy theory. Yeah, you can you can maintain the idea that your group is good and moral and upstanding, whereas the others are evildoers out there who are trying to ruin it for everybody else. It, mm-hmm. it creates 
that creates an other, which helps to enhance the idea of our in-group. Which is really what we were talking about like last week with echo chambers. It's very quick. You know, you can quickly establish an out-group really. Mm -hmm. And, And that dichotomy that I'm here, you're there, that's one of the main ingredients of conflict, right? We've seen that throughout history. Our yep. forces paint populations of people or even whole nations as scapegoats for things that are going wrong in the world when no such connection actually exists. Yeah. And, and you know, two episodes ago, uh, when we were talking about maps, mm-hmm. you encouraged people to accept that the world is complex. And thinking back on that, I thought that was such a powerful, relevant point for this discussion. Mm-hmm. Because in many cases, conspiracy theories give people a simple solution, right? There's there's some cabal making things happen. But what is really behind conspiracy theories is a hundred different stars that have to align in order for something to happen, mm-hmm. which would be nearly impossible to orchestrate. Yeah, agreed. And to play off the, the the simple part of what you just said, you know, what's so fascinating to me is that research shows us that if you believe in conspiracy theories, you you, you just believe in them. Like even mm-hmm. if two conspiracy theories directly contradict each other. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. The more participants believe that Princess Diana faked her own death in research, like uh-huh. the more they also believe that she was also murdered. You you mm. just you just kind of have a predilection for this sort of thing. You're- that's 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 a that's a hard couple things to reconcile. I would I would imagine. I hate when I've been murdered and I faked my own death. <laughs> it's so you, that, it's hard that to means, pull off. That means you are really bad at one of them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And and. The studies show that there there aren't any gender differences in terms of conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. but there are differences uh, when it comes to age. Older people uh, seem to be less likely to believe in conspiracy theories than younger people are. Which makes total sense to me because we were talking about, you know, um, folks who have had less education, right? So you figure older people just have had a lifetime of wisdom uh, under uh, right. their belt. And- and not even education, but life experience. That's you know? what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah OJT. I mean, right. Sure. They, yeah. They've seen they've seen that that you can't even plan a surprise party without somebody finding out about it. There's no way government entities are, are moving forces around the world without a, a leak of, of information being without leaked? information being leaked. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was good until it wasn't. I told I totally was following you. Yeah, they know that you cannot both get murdered and commit suicide. They know because they <laughs> right. been around. Yeah. yeah. They're like, my friend Jack tried this before. I'm not falling <laughs> for it this time. Yeah. I think crazy it's also Jack. crazy Jack. <laughs> I think it's also important to note that, uh, um, you know, conspiracies, conspiracists, if you will, don't mm-hmm. favor one side of the political spectrum over the other. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, some people are like, well, you know, this side or that side, they always believe in it. But but really what it comes down to is if extremism, either yeah, side no, of the aisle. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because to be an extremist, you've got to have certain characteristics that make believing in conspiracies more likely. Mm-hmm. Right. So for starters, your, your extremist is going to have a lower level of education. They're going to have lower cognitive ability and they're going to have a reduced willingness to think critically. And these make the far-fetched scenarios that conspiracies construct more plausible to them because they aren't applying that critical thinking lens mm-hmm. right that, and and the irony here is that while they like to promote the notion that they're actually the free thinkers who are questioning everything 
in reality, they're the ones that are the most hesitant to question their own beliefs. Look, just because it's good for the goose does not mean it is good for the gander. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So, so since we've gotten into the weeds on uh, how sometimes things with conspiracy theories and the people who buy into them don't really add up. Did you want to go into what you found about the role of conjunction fallacy uh, as it relates to conspiracy theories and like who's most susceptible to them? Because I've never heard that before. And I thought that was very cool. Yeah, no, I found this. I found this fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So conjunction fallacy is thinking that achieving multiple conditions is more probable than any single condition. And that sounds really nebulous, like I'm trying to describe a graph to you again. So, <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> yeah, so, so let me give you something practical uh, that'll, that'll make it clearer, I hope. Okay. And what I'll do is I'll use what is probably the most well-known example of this, and it comes from, from Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've discussed some of Kahneman's work a few times uh, before. Uh, but this is called, they came up with this, this is called the Linda problem, okay? And it goes like this. Linda is 31 years old, single, outspoken, and very bright. She majored in philosophy. As a student, she was deeply concerned with issues of discrimination and social justice and also participated in anti-nuclear demonstrations. So now I ask you, which is more probable? A, Linda is a bank teller. Or B, Linda is a bank teller and is active in the feminist movement. Well, she's clearly a bank teller, as most philosophy majors turn out to be. And, and <laughs> I'm like, how does she get this job? <laughs> Anyways, she's a bank teller and active in, in, in the feminist movement, for sure. Absolutely. And that, that's what the research would tell us, even if it doesn't actually add up. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's actually impossible for multiple things to be more likely than a single event. Mm-hmm. But most people polled thought the second scenario with multiple conditions was the more likely. So in regard to conspiracy theory, this really goes back to what you were saying when you shared your definition of conspiracy theories at the beginning, that there have Mm -hmm. to be a number of things all coinciding at one time. you got to have like this group of bad actors who also want to do harm so that, oh, yeah, they benefit. And oh, by the way, it's a big secret. Right, precisely. And this this is how we get Bill Gates wants to put a chip in you and how he goes about it. Because because you know that chip that you're carrying around in your pocket, a la Steve Jobs, that that just isn't sufficient. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gates right. was like, I can do this so much better. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The way he goes about getting this chip into you is to develop a virus that is spread globally and then quickly develop a vaccine that delivers the chip and convince everyone that they need to get a shot. Just like in inner space where that one guy gets injected into your bloodstream, right? <laughs> no, by the way, I want credit for calling out a movie and I'm hoping <laughs> it's from inner space. I saw it like when I was young. So <laughs> that is, that is actually exactly right. That is you, you captured that movie exactly perfectly, awesome. but are you, are you trying to start a new conspiracy theory? Are you trying to say, are you trying to say Gates is shrinking people and stay trade then set of chips? We're getting we're getting guys named chip and in, injected into us. There you go. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, speaking of crazy ideas, let's touch on some of the ideas uh that are popular with well, some of the details of the popular conspiracy theories. All right. Well, you talk about Gates, so I feel like we got to segue into 5G, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that that just, only makes sense. I say Gates, you say 5G. It's like a cheer, right? Right. Right. You know, five gates. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, what's crazy about that is that that whole conspiracy theory that about, you know, 
5G and those earlier mobile phone networks are somehow bad for health. You know, that has been around for years. That is not, that is not new. That's like 30 years old. <laughs> you know, originally, by the way, I just want to say it was huh? responsible for causing autism, infertility, and cancer. Um, you know, but uh, of course that was really confined to like the most hardcore conspiracy theorists. So I just want everyone who's been like, I got this new idea about 5G. You are decades late. This is, yeah. this is like a rerun. This is like some vintage so, stuff. Yeah, so many belief systems that recycle old stories and try to make them new. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's and that's an excellent example uh, where where you've got a series of random bad results. The you know the diseases that you mentioned or the the maladies, mm-hmm. and people can see them happening to them and the people they know, and they look for something to be responsible for it. And in this case, it's the new wireless technology, which is really just a recycled theory that seemed to continually come into vogue. Right. You're always looking to pin the same bad outcomes on like some new hobgoblin. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I was really bent on working hobgoblin into this episode. So that was, that was very well done. That was I a gave myself a point in this yeah. game that I'm playing by myself. But <laughs> well done you. Thank you. So I want to, I want to, Throw in uh, since we're talking conspiracy theories, I'd like to explain Pizzagate okay. uh, for those for those who might not know it. I love this one. Uh, that's can't. that's a conspiracy where people believed that high ranking people in the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign staff were running a child trafficking ring out of the basement of a DC pizzeria, mm-hmm. and what resulted was an incident where a gunman. Mm-hmm. A, a man with a with a rifle mm-hmm. walked into the pizzeria and demanded to be taken into the basement so that he could free the children that were being held there. Thank God for him. Yeah. No Where kidding. would we be? Well, and that gets back to, right, he, he's the defender of these children. Yes. Uh, but there's one big problem with his with his heroic plan here, and that's that the place didn't even have a basement. See, that's what they want you to believe, though, Pete. <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's probably exactly it. It had a basement. You just had to knock three times for the trap door <laughs> to open. Yes, that's right. All right. So, so speaking of conspiracy theories, I, I got one for you because okay. it's 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 apparently it's a new trend in the conspiracy world. It comes to us um, from a um, a Russell Muirhead, who's a political scientist at Dartmouth, and okay. he has. He is an he's a co-political scientist, Nancy Rosenblum from mm-hmm. Harvard University. And they wrote a book called A Lot of People Are Saying, which is actually a really good book, but they've come up with this new idea that, or they've just identified this thing that's happening. It's conspiracy without the theory. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it kind of goes to what you're saying. Like they're like in this instance, there's there's not a shred of truth involved with it, right? But, oh, I see. Uh-huh. But so what happens is that this actually presents a whole new slew of challenges for ordinary people trying to sift through the various theories, like real and imagined, right? Yeah. No, I, there's nothing even to sort of like, it's like fighting with windmills, really. You're like, there's no there there. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, that's a great analogy. And, and, and this pulls me back to your excellent intro to this episode, which is proof of that very thing. And, and I hope it's okay for me to let the cat out of the bag at this point. But that whole scenario was created from even less information than Pizzagate. At least in Pizzagate, the pizzeria existed. Okay, so you gave me away. Thanks a lot. Right. The birds aren't real conspiracy was completely made up. 
It is a piece of performance art to parody the prevalence of misinformation. So one member of the movement explained it in an interview as fighting lunacy with lunacy, which I, I assure you, I don't need more of in my life. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not sure that that's the most effective way, but it, I don't know. I bet you it's fun. Right. I, yeah. Totally made up, totally made up. And then people like globbed onto it. So yeah. it's just wacky. Yeah. And, and I want to encourage all our listeners to look into them when you get a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing some really interesting things with their movement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's a neat change of pace. It's, it's a, <laughs> I don't know, the wave of the future uh, for social movements. Are, do, you, do you have any other, before we get too far afield, uh, do you have any other conspiracy theories you want to bring up? Okay. Well, not to be too meta, but there is even a conspiracy theory about conspiracy theories. Oh, no. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes. That says that the CIA invented the term conspiracy theory to discredit those who didn't believe the official report on the assassination of President Kennedy. <laughs> that is, uh, yes, that is pretty meta. Yes. That is, yeah. Yeah. That's saying that makes sense, right? Because they're because that's saying that that they created the term so that conspiracy theorists seem like they don't carry any significance, right? They don't. They're, they're not to be taken seriously, right? They're not. And, they're and, not too legit, right? Too legit to quit. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly right. Uh, Hammer knew all along, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and God. and I know and I know we've been pretty biased up to this point, right? We've been feeding into that whole kind of conspiracy theorists are are you know a little bit out in left field. Mm-hmm. But but conspiracy theories are not all bad, no, that's right? True, for sure, yeah. Yeah, there's some good info that can be gleaned from the, even the current conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, conspiracies will point you to a collective that people are really unsure of, right? Throughout mm-hmm. throughout history, many widely accepted conspiracy theories have conveniently placed the blame for distressing incidents or trends on the population's favorite bad guys. Oh, yeah. Each society has its own anxieties and obsessions. And, you know, those successful conspiracy theories, the one that get off the ground, they generally tap into them. You know, you mm-hmm. think about this, like alien life, religious yep. minorities, powerful elites, rival nations, mysterious technologies, yeah. destruction of the environment. Yes, that's, right. that's th- those are things that are keeping me up at night. Yes. Yeah. And, and like we were talking about earlier, if there is an out group, then we've formed a de facto in-group mm-hmm. so conspiracy theories make us feel good about our own social group sure tribalism check to that and to go yeah. along with that think about what conspiracy theories really are i mean they're basically akin to old wives tales not unlike mm-hmm. fairy tales legends which go back yeah. tens of thousands of years and help us to make sense and provide us with some level of reassurance they they are arguably really what make us human yeah, conspiracy theories are also like modern day tea leaves in a way, mm-hmm. right? They'll show you where there is either a lack of trust with science or the government, for instance, mm-hmm. or a lack of information. Or both, or both. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely, or both, sure. And and nature abhors a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So while information gathering can be painfully slow, conspiracies are filling the void. Yeah, absolutely, especially when you're talking about something that has to be science-based, like what we just went through, you know, everyone's yeah. like, oh, they rushed it, but also you're not giving me enough information quickly enough. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, right. okay, which one is right. it? Like, I'm right. sorry. Like you, we you just, never be satisfied. We just developed this shot and there's no longitudinal studies on them. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Right. <laughs> I would even say that 
you know, you can tell what people feel needs to be protected or preserved. If you look at conspiracy theories, so going back to our, what needs to be defended, you know, just look at how many of our conspiracy theories in the United States focus on like our freedoms. Sure. Or, or the violation thereof. Right. Right. Yeah. There is something that is potentially jeopardizing like our way of life and we feel like we need to defend it. And, and a conspiracy theory is a great way to get people incensed, man. Yeah. Right. This is, this way we can get other people on our side who also see who the real enemy is. We we rally support for our position. Mm-hmm. So something I meant to bring up earlier, and I just want to make sure um, I bring it up now. It, it, it's pertinent to the topic, so, so okay. bear with me. So um, there is a shift, by the way, in conspiracy theories and not just the ones that are like, you know, we're, we're making them out of, out of the ether here. <laughs> right. um, but that, so there's Russell Muirhead says that most recently, there has been this shift in conspiracy theories where previously huh, conspiracy theories were propagated by like people on the margin. They used sure. to be like this weapon of the powerless for like holding the powerful to account. Mm-hmm. But now the new stuff is actually coming from the powerful. Like that's where it's being ginned out of. And and he calls it really quite extraordinary. And I yeah. call it really quite freaking scary yeah i'll say terrifying might be might be more apt than, right. than extraordinary yeah but but i mean it makes sense when when you've got a tool that is so clearly capable of controlling a segment of the population yeah it's only a matter of time before the powerful are going to weaponize that and bend it to their needs and and i don't think you're making up a conspiracy theory here yeah I, no, I I, this is legit yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so so now that you've terrified everyone, um, <laughs> how do we combat conspiracy theories? You, you know, on a personal level, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to ensuring that, you know, we ourselves aren't duped into believing a conspiracy theory, you know, I'm going to go back to something that I like to say a lot, stay alert, stay alive. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's good advice. Stay alert, stay alive. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I, I'd like to, I'd like to maybe... <laughs> take a slightly different tack and, and say that we need to remember, and you'll appreciate this, Okay. that, that correlation is not causation. I'm, I'm totally with you, but, but do you have a, do you have a, uh, an example, a rabbit you can pull out of your hat about this? I always have a rabbit I can pull out of my hat. <laughs> okay. Sounds there, good. So, so there's causation. Okay. Yeah. Recognizing that, that eating a certain mushroom results in death. And then there is correlation. Uh-huh. Like the fact that since 2000, as the number of civil engineering doctorates awarded goes up, so does the per capita consumption of mozzarella cheese. Okay. Okay. How random. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Assigning causation to things that only have a causal relationship Uh is one way of going down that conspiracy theory path. So you're telling me there is no connection. Oh, there is a connection. But it is simply so correlational right, between right, the doctorates right, and right. The mozzarella cheese. Right. Those things they they if you graph them, and uh, this is legit. Go look it up if you want. Oh, uh, I will. I, I know. Will. Yeah, I know you will. I'm talking to everybody <laughs> else. There's the, if you graph them, you're going to see that as one goes up, the other one goes up. But that doesn't mean that one is causing the other. Well, Just because two things happen simultaneously doesn't mean they're related. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, not that I'm saying this is me, but, um, you know, perhaps it is, 
you know, if you have some level of, we'll call it a hyperactive pattern detection awareness. No, come on, you. Like, I would say that you could have a propensity for conspiracy thought because like if you're tracking data all the time, you're like, you know what two things are the craziest things that might have a connection? Yeah, that that hyperactive pattern detection. Yeah. And conspiracy, that would definitely be a causal relationship. Yes. <laughs> One thing causes the other. It's yes. possible. Yes. Thank goodness I have this podcast to keep me straight or I'd be making yes. all kinds of weird connections. I know. I know. You, you would have the weirdest ones because you would dig into the best data. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, that's not a compliment. <laughs> All right. It was kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Join us next month as we talk about backhanded compliments <laughs> from your podcast co-host. The All psychology right. of the backhanded compliment. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So <laughs> let me let me get back on let me get us back on track. So okay, yes, so, please. So yes. Uh, and away from me. Uh, so yeah, so we definitely know conspiracy theories overestimate like the power, the coordination, and evil intent. Uh-huh. And, they, and they really underestimate, you know, the roles of chance, human error, mistakes. These over and underestimations make it more important and likely to assign agency to a group that might be only loosely correlated with the events that are the subject of the theory. Right, exactly. Right. We discussed, uh, you, I know you love the callback, so we discussed uh, the Metallic Metals Act in episode 108 last year Yeah, and, and how people are prone to have opinions about stuff that they don't know about, which mm-hmm. speaks to the fact that people don't like to be judged for not knowing things. I don't necessarily like the callback. I like the fact that you can tell me what episode number it was, okay? <laughs> so talk about, I got my hyperactive pattern detection awareness. You've got some like sort of savant skill at being able to be like, oh, episode one of six. I'm like, did that happen last year? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Yes. But to your point, yes, yeah. this is important because once they subscribe to a belief, you know, even if they hadn't given any thought previously, it can really be hard to get them dog off bone. You know, so get to the heart of the issue here. We really need to work on taking away that expectation to know things and and take away the stigma. God, this, if we could do anything of changing your mind. Yeah. It is not a flip-flop. It is not an inconsistency. It is reevaluating when presented with new information. And I I call that wisdom. Yeah, no, it totally sounds like wisdom to me as well. Uh, And research around vaccine hesitancy shows us that to keep conspiracy theories from gaining traction, it's actually quite effective to provide people with the factual information Mm -hmm. before they're exposed to conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. But once the people have been exposed to the conspiracy theory, getting exposed to the correct information isn't nearly as effective. That's totally right. And, you know, in response to that, there are researchers that have started to look at ways to basically inoculate people against misinformation. And one of the ways, which I'm not going to go into here because I don't exactly understand how it is accomplished. I have to do more research myself is get this is to feed people some piece of weak misinformation before they're exposed to the worst of it, which does sound almost a bit like a conspiracy theory, but basically yeah, it's supposed to help folks from, um, you know, going all hook, line, and sinker. Like, you know, when, like, going whole hog, and mis- it, it's the craziest thing. But, yeah, it's out there. It's a thing. So That's crazy. That's, that's you just described a mental vaccine. Yeah, I guess I am, right? 
which then that's, people were like, oh, the government's behind this. Yeah. Our local right, library well, tried to right. get me to read Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> should have never said that, Pete. But that gives us another callback to our episode on echo chambers. Okay. When we discussed how the opinions of family and friends impact those who are vaccine hesitant, mm-hmm. right? And 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 they they have an impact specifically because the opposing viewpoint that they're presenting is mm-hmm. coming from a trusted source, right? It isn't It isn't anywhere near as effective if that same message comes from people who can be seen as compromised and part of the others. Yeah. I think it's obvious at this point that there's a lot of overlap between echo chambers and conspiracy theories. And uh, the antidote to both is really to question everything that catches our attention and to think critically about it in order to get to the truth and only to pass on the truth, by the way. I just want to throw that little yeah. piece out there. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll tell you what, I think I think you just essentially summed up our entire month's worth of content <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in one very succinct observation. So you're telling me we didn't have to do five weeks of episodes. I could have sent out like a tweet. Well, I think, uh, well, I think to be fair, I think we needed the five weeks of episodes to make that one, uh, that, that one comment make sense to everyone. But yeah, that's, that is a, it's incredible, uh, as incredible sum up of everything that we've been talking about. Well, I guess we can wrap this conversation up then let's put a bow on this thing. Yeah, uh, sure. Melissa and I would love to continue this discussion with all of you. What is your favorite conspiracy theory? Are there any that you used to believe and don't anymore? And by the way, are there any that you've made up? Because if so, we want to know what they are. <laughs> I totally want to know. Yeah. Uh, you can also tell us like why you think people are more prone to believe in conspiracy theories, what you've done to keep people away from the misinformation, um, You know how you've saved the day against the evil forces. You know, <laughs> hit us up. That's right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ThinkSigPod. And on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Think Significantly. And if you enjoyed our conversation, please invite your curious friends to listen. And if you have conspiracy-minded friends, tell them the government doesn't want them to know what we have to say. And tell them that we will send them a free roll of uh, tinfoil <laughs> so that they can replenish their hats. Yes. As Pete said, this brings our month of topics focused on uh, questioning everything to a close um, you know, could have been a tweet. All right. Please continue <laughs> to watch our social media throughout the month of April for additional tidbits so that you can continue the conversations that you're having with your friends and family. Yep. Melissa and I will return in the first week of May with our first episode of our next theme, happiness. Until then, we encourage everyone to think significantly about the world around you. Na, 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 na.